0: Rippy writes with Brian Scott. Rippey. transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We have entered full summer mode, so got a couple different podcasts uh, in the works for you over the next couple of weeks as we kind of hit this lull heading into uh, SEC Media Days and kind of the uh, start of the anticipation of football season. Today we have Mark Harris, a newly minted staff writer for OutKick. OutKick, the coverage, that is. Mark is a guy I've known uh, through various stuff for a while now. He was at Bro Bible, Jimbo Fisher's favorite website. Shout out to Slice Bread a little bit before that. But a guy that's written about a lot of different sports, college sports, but is a big golf guy as well. So this is a uh, live-centered podcast, the Live versus PGA Tour debate. Um, something that I've kind of wanted to get into for the last couple months as there's been kind of a war waged at the top levels of professional golf, but you know, with Ole Miss making their whole national title run and all of that, there just wasn't a whole lot of time for it. Can you imagine if I just dropped a live golf podcast in the middle of super regional or Omaha? I don't think that would get any listen. but now we're in summertime and we can kind of open it up to some other discussion. So I was chomping at the bit to uh, talk to my guy, Mark, really smart golf guy about what this Live versus PGA Tour thing actually means for the long run, the legal ramifications of it, the stuff that it's exposed with the PGA Tour in terms of its minor league system and the ability to get on the PGA Tour, why some of these guys took the money, and a lot of different stuff. I imagine if you even if you're the casual golf listener out there, the casual listener that pays attention to golf, um, you've probably like heard about the live piece of it, but maybe didn't fully understand what was happening and how it works. I hope we did a pretty good job in this explaining it. Um, this is about as apolitical as something like this can be. We didn't really get into the politics of why these guys are taking Saudi blood money and the human rights aspect of things. Um, I don't mean that to be dismissive of any of that. I just don't at this point with live being as real thing as it is, I just don't find that to be as interesting. So we more got into what this means for, for professional golf. We had a little bit of kind of the morality side of taking money like that. I just, again, it is what it is. I just don't find the the political side of it of like shaming all of these guys for taking money from Saudi Arabia to be that really interesting of a take. So it was more of, what Live was, how it came about, and what it means for the PGA tour. So anyway, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Um I do realize that if you came here for like old miss content, there's not a whole lot of that today. But hey, it's summer. We did a lot of this stuff last year. Mark's a really interesting listen. I think you'll like this conversation. I really appreciate his time. Um it's been uh, it was a pleasure talking some golf with him as we head into the uh, Open Championship next week, or as we Americans like to call it, the British Open. Right in their faces, we hadn't had to listen to them since 1776. So, I think we'll, uh, I think you'll enjoy the podcast. First, though, before we get to the sponsors, I have a couple bits of uh, some housekeeping notes as far as the pod pertains. Really, nothing earth shattering. Um, I guess the first being would be addressing the new advertising. Model we have going so a lot of reports over the last couple podcasts about people getting the uh, the living daylight scared out of them by uh, some sort of like Coinbase ad or whatever it is. I don't really know what these ads are. I'm not really supposed to say that. So basically, what has happened is is uh, rivals Rebel Grove MPW Digital has signed a podcast deal with Blue Wire Pods. Um, and so that's one of those dynamic ad insertion podcasts where I'm sure if you listen to there's no way any of you out there, this is the only podcast you listen to or God, I hope not. Um, so just the, the kind of random advertisements that pop up in the middle, we've, uh, kind of pivoted towards that. Um, really not a whole lot in the decision-making process that I had any say in, um, I've done this podcast for a while now. I've worked pretty hard to build it up to a pretty good audience. The, uh, Rebel Grove Robles family has- pretty much made that for me. I owe a ton of debt of gratitude to chase and Neil for that. And I just say all of that to say the ads are what they are. I, I will work on the volume issues and not scaring the listeners into the first blue wire pods dynamic adding session we have. But if you start hearing random ads throughout the pod, one, I don't think you're going to stop listening or at least I would hope not. And two, it is what it is. Guys got to pay the bills over here. Um, my take on advertisement is just that like I would, uh, Literally, if you want to advertise anything, I will fumble through an ad read on the podcast. The beautiful thing about Blue Wire is obviously they do it for you. Um, So like if you get a Miller Lite ad in one of these podcasts, clearly Miller Lite is not reaching out to your guy saying, hey, we want you to be our brand ambassador. Not how that works. It's more of a national advertising base. But I will literally advertise anything. You could advertise some less than legal Viagra that you get on the black market in Mexico. And boom, I'll plug that into an ad any second if you uh if you give me some cash so that's kind of my slant on advertisements and uh, that's kind of what we got going forward i don't think it'll be a big deal it's not like it's taking up half the podcast but i did get some reports um regarding uh like the ads scaring the hell out of them and them not anticipating what it is the only other announcement on that if you do listen to that on the rebel grove mpw digital feed that has changed on spotify oh you just have to look up mpw digital and there's a little marker i believe um, that has changed since we moved to Blue Wire Pod. So just wanted to get that out of the way. Got a couple of DMs being like, hey, what is this? It, I, it got scared the hell out of me when this ad popped up. Apparently the volume wasn't great. We're working through some technical issues on that. But we'll get that squared away. But anyway, just wanted to address that head on. Um, put a statement out on behalf of the Rippy Rights family there. Um, so that is what that advertisement is. I think it was Shopify was actually the real uh, ad there. So uh, yeah, whatever it is, what it is. God, like I said, guys got to pay the bills. The second thing I have and probably the most important thing or actually not most important, but um, I'm not real big on personal notes, but I thought it would be a pretty weird move just to not say anything about this. Um, and then just show up back in Oxford and be like, yeah, I'm here now. So I am moving back to Oxford, Mississippi. I've accepted a job uh, as the marketing director of a private, private equity firm there in town um something that really happened fast um not really something that I had on the radar honestly I've really enjoyed living out here in Texas I think it's been good for me for a lot of personal and professional reasons as well um moving out here and getting a taste of something different um like I said I, I love living in Dallas it's one of probably the most fun I've had in my life has been living out here um with just so much to do and kind of made my own friend group but I was uh Approached about an opportunity about a month ago, and it, it evolved into something that I did not feel like I could turn down. Um, so I am moving back to Oxford um, on Monday, actually. So my first day of work will be uh, Monday, July the 11th. So I am headed back to Mississippi. You could call it uh, moving back home if you want. Um, I'm excited about the opportunity um i got to be completely honest like i said i really love living out here i wasn't necessarily just chomping at the bit to move back to oxford but i think this is a great opportunity for me with a great company and so i just wanted to get that out of the way again i'm not huge into personal announcements i just think they're kind of self-serving in a lot of ways like the guy that writes the nine paragraph instagram post about what city he's leaving and his new step in his career i always just wonder half the time like who is that for who is this content for does anyone actually care um, so I'm not big on that. I think I've mentioned that a couple of times in the pod, but again, I thought it would be kind of a weird move just to move back to Oxford and not say anything. So uh, yeah, I'm headed back home and I'm uh, I'm excited about it. It'll uh, obviously be something familiar. It would allow me to do a lot of stuff with uh, Rivals Rebel Grove um, that I wasn't able to do, just you know being a couple of states and a couple hundred miles away. Um, nothing's changing on the podcast front. We might have a little bit of irregular podcast schedule here for the next couple of weeks as I try to find my bearings. Um, with this new job and try to figure out my schedule a little bit. But as far as what you guys get content wise, whether it be the newsletter or the podcast, um, nothing is changing at all. Um, My role with Rubble Grove is not changing. If anything, it will grow some, or at least I hope so. Um, Being closer to, you know, being back in Oxford and being in the same town as Neil and Chase are. So I'm excited about that aspect of it and what comes to that. But anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. Um, You may as well already fast forwarded through this. I don't know. I don't know if this was interesting, but again, I just wanted to get it out there just because I thought it'd be a weird move if I just started showing up places in Oxford <laughs> without saying anything. So I'm moving back uh, over the weekend. It's been a lot. It's probably why the content has been a little bit irregular over the last couple of weeks. I've had a lot of, uh, I would say life hit me in the face over the last uh, week or two. I know many of you can probably relate to that as well. So anyway, fired up about it. That's the end of my announcement. I'll stop blabbering. Let's hear from our ads before we get to Mark Harris, the live Tour and whether the PGA Tour uh, is actually in danger. Here we go. Podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval and advanced modeling mechanism that has propelled Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Skybox went through on the season in NASCAR through all three series. They're up fifty-eight units, fifty-eight point three six units, should I to be exact. Think I could interest you in that. That's one hell of a NASCAR season they have going on. They've got that in full swing right now. Anyone who signs up for the four-week or full-season reduced price for the remaining NASCAR package between now and August 17th will be entered into a drawing for an NCAA and NFL four-week package for free. So basically, if you go on between now and August 17th and you sign up for what's left of the NASCAR package, I had a couple guys checking in over the weekend asking about trying out the NASCAR package It's getting slim pickings, Uh, some of the degenerates gravitating towards motorsports, I suppose, throughout the summer. But uh, they cashed in huge this weekend, probably one of the best weekends Skybox has ever had. So if you go buy that package for now, you'll be entered into a drawing that will get you a four-week free package of both NSA and NFL picks, which is right in Skybox's wheelhouse. So go check that out. 50% off, use the promo code NATTY. That still works. So Ole Miss is National Championship Special. So you can sign up for this, get 50% off that, and be entered to win a month-long free picks package for both college football and the NFL. Tough to beat that. Go check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. If you're into wagering, you actually absolutely have to use Skybox. They're the only way to profit in the long run, and they're certainly going to do so more consistently than your own brain. Check them out. Uh Rob your bookie blind. It is Skybox Sports Picks. Podcast is also brought to you by Mims Insurance, a new sponsor on the show. Glad to have Matt Mims, an independent insurance agent in Oxford, as part of the family. Known Matt a long time. He Wants to help you find the best insurance rate possible. Everything's expensive right now. Prices are rising everywhere. Whether it's groceries, gas, Matt Mims wants you to save. He's an independent insurance agent based in Oxford. He's going to shop your whatever you're looking for insurance-wise, your quote through ten different major insurance agencies, and find you the best deal on the market. It can be overwhelming looking for different insurance packages, different providers. What's best? What's mm-hmm. not? Matt Mims is going to handle all of that for you. Um, he will provide you with the best possible out package, whatever you need insured house, boat, whatever the case may be. You just give him a call at 601-218-7854. And I promise you, he will put money back in your pocket. He will handle the process for you. And his sole goal is to find you the best deal. I wouldn't send you to people I don't trust. Call Matt Mims, Mims Insurance in Oxford, and it spreads across the state of Mississippi. So anything you need in and around the Magnolia State, Matt Mims has you covered. Check him out. Mims Insurance, again, that's 601-218-7854. All right, here is Mark Harris on what the Live Tour is, whether the PGA Tour is actually in long-term danger, and the future of professional golf as a whole. I think you guys will like this conversation, even if you're not necessarily a golf guy. All right, we now welcome on recurring guest Mark Harris. Uh, just got a new job. He is now a writer at Outkick. He was with Bro Bible before uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. He is, uh, I guess, our golf guy. Like, I don't really have anyone else in the pod I talk golf with. I think the last time we did a golf centric pod was. I talked to Buckley's coach one time last summer, and then we spoke after the British Open. So, uh, yep. the official golf correspondent. We'll just throw it, throw you that title on. That
0: yeah, I'll, I'll add that to the uh, the resume and the Twitter bio right after the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, you go. that's a first on yeah. resume type of deal. So, yeah, your first day on the job. Pretty much as we record this, you accepted a position without kick. Kind of, I mean, we talked about this a little bit off the air a second ago. But kind of give us, give us an idea of what you got going and how that came about.
0: Yeah, so today was kind of my first uh, official day, uh, kind of with all the. The back end stuff done. Um, so kind of published my first few stories today, which is awesome. Um, the Bro Bible was great, too. I loved every minute of that. Um, definitely bittersweet leaving those guys I was there for about three and a half years full time. Um, just kind of the main golf guy there. And then, you know, how the world goes now, all the trending sports stuff and a lot of college football talk. So being from Memphis and I didn't go to Ole Miss but my dad went to Ole Miss and um, grew up in Ole Miss then my whole life. So. Uh yeah, I think we're uh crossing past here pretty well with the golf and the old miss ties and all that. And obviously I'm I'm sure some of your audience keeps up with Outkick pretty closely.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And like the thing, one of the things you like I always notice with you is you have as you mentioned, kind of got to do a bunch of different things and you are very versatile. And like if you can keep a media job in this landscape, I mean my god happed off to, to you, but like you can't right. you can't really have like one thing anymore.
0: Oh no, yeah, um,
1: and it's kind of nice. Like if you're creative and you kind of go get it as, as you know a self starter, and you just kind of write about what you like to write about, you kind of amaze the opportunities that'll happen. Maybe a, a newspaper editor or two out there might be listening and take some notes on that one. But yeah, congrats on the new gig. Um, I'm excited to see what comes of it. We're here to talk live golf. Um, I've been wanting to do this for like a month and a half, but with like the baseball stuff, I just couldn't find time to squeeze it in but I don't think I've talked about this anywhere publicly. I think chase and I have hit on this like very briefly throughout some baseball pods. I I don't even really know where to begin. I'll ask for the great question. Are you tired of talking about this yet? Because it, I'm not, I find this shit fascinating, but some people seem to be over it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, kind of every, every couple of days, one player will come out and say something that kind of puts his foot in his mouth or whatever. Um, Kind of I told you off here, I've written plenty about it, but I haven't really talked about it besides, you know, some buddies at the bar, that kind of deal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no better time to be in the content golf game right now if you love it or hate this live golf stuff. I mean, there's always something to talk about. Um, and it's kind of my overall take of it. Is it's, kind of, it kind of just, it's kind of a boring take, but it kind of just is what it is. Like, there's nothing yeah. you can really do about it right now. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it later. But, like, Rory came out today saying some stuff that was – I saw a little that. outlandish. And yeah, like I said, just these players keep talking and the money keeps getting bigger and the, the check just remains blank for the Saudis. So it's just, you just it's almost like a week or day by day, week by week deal going on right now.
1: So let's start from the beginning because I was actually, this, this is where good old Wikipedia comes in. I like Googled like live golf timeline because I wanted to like, mm-hmm. cause we have some, we have a lot of golf listeners, actually more than you would think. Probably some casual people out there, too, that I'm sure have heard it. Hell, I was driving back from my lunch break today. Talk about it being, like, good for golf from a publicity standpoint. They may not think that, but, like, how it made the first hour of Cowherd show today. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Like, more people are talking about golf nationally than maybe ever. And so I wanted to get a timeline to kind of bring everyone up to speed. So basically, this became – plans for this became public at some point in 2019. And I believe it was called like the premier golf league. And I got to be honest until I started reading about it about a month and a half ago, I thought the premier golf league was something different that like never could find any funding, but that would seem like kind of true, but not really. So the premier golf league kind of sort of approached some Saudi investors about getting some backing. And it t- turns out, it sounds like the Saudis just like, took that idea and started their own golf league. And so then if feel free to jump in at any time if I have this wrong, but then it seems like over the last like two years, it's kind of been operating in private. Like what actually is this? How real is this? Like what Greg Norman is running this? So what a bizarre spokesperson to try to actually across the finish line. And then all of a sudden it gets real, right? They put out a schedule. They're going to play this thing in 2022. There's all kinds of speculation throughout the winter and early spring about who's actually going to play in this. The first field comes out, so they have that first tournament in England in early June, and that's when you got the first wave of guys, right? The DJs, the Lee Westwood. Some of those guys were predictable. I think DJ was probably the most surprising guys in that. And then where I think this really got real, for the lack of a better phrase, was the second wave like the guys that have come out between the first and the second tournament. And so they play the first tournament and you kind of get an eyeball on what this product actually is. And then you start getting like the Abe answers and the Brooks Kepkas of the world. I, I guess to package that into a question, at what point is a guy that covers this closer? What point were you like, okay, this is actually real. This is happening. Was it the first tournament or is it somewhere after that?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, cause all, the only golf I've known my whole life is obviously I'm almost 30 years old. Like the PJ tour is it. Like, you know, that's all we've, Grown accustomed to seeing, so it's so weird to have something else that has legitimate na- names like that, and like you said, like I think a lot of people in the golf media, especially kind of the the more traditionalist guys, didn't think that it was going to be real, and literally until that ball was in the air in London, like it was one of those weird moments to be like, Wow, holy crap, like holy shit, this is really happening like this is this is bizarre, and all this money gets tossed around and but yeah, I think the first tournament was. I tuned into that one more than I did the Portland one because it was kind of easier to watch time-wise. It's kind of tough to keep up with some stuff on the West Coast being in Central time. But it was a fine product, I thought. And then, you know, the second wave comes out to where – and I I do like – we can get into the details, too. I I do kind of like the shotgun start thing, and I definitely don't hate that the fact that it's only three days. Like, yeah. Golf can but obviously the majors are different. I love the four-day majors kind of stuff like that, but it can get a little stretched out. But um yeah, when the second wave came out, you got the Brysons, the Patrick Reeds, Matthew Wolf was kind of a surprising name as a guy that's still only twenty maybe twenty-four, maybe twenty-five years old. Um, has played really well in majors, has a he's kind of gone through some personal stuff off the course, but obviously has the sky's the limit for that guy, and he's got twenty more years to play. Um and then Brooks goes. Which his brother had already signed in the first wave, who's he's he's not a top five hundred guy in the world, but he's still, you know, he's got the last name Kepka. So it was yeah, when when the second wave comes and there's gonna be a third wave coming, because um, these guys just keep and they keep there's an, everybody has a number. Like some yeah. of the guys, like I don't think Jordan Spieth or the JTs or the Rory McElroys, even though he's said some crazy stuff today, um, have a number in their head to to bolt. But all these guys, like the, the Kepka's, the answers obviously the D and Patrick Reed, who kind of the most hated golfers on the PJ Tour. Hey, here's $125 million to go play eight events around the world, guaranteed money, and you don't have to deal with all this PJ Tour crap. Yeah, it's pretty easy to sign that deal.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's a fascinating on a number of levels. And so, like, to continue to kind of bring up the speed, maybe some people out there that don't understand exactly how it works is basically this is. This tour is backed by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. And it's basically just a gigantic government fund that you can use, or that they're primarily using for sports. And that's where this term that, you know, people that are super against it call it sports washing. And of course Saudi Arabia has a terrible track record when it comes to human rights. And so the people that are very against it, and it, the, generally the idea does seem to have some degree of, Hey, let's try to reshape our image globally through sports, but they've had boxing matches in Saudi Arabia. Um, hell, I think there's two F1 races. F1. Yeah, I was going to
0: say they're huge in F1.
1: Yeah, huge. I mean, they finished their season there uh, in yeah. the last couple of years. And so, like, this golf is not the first, like, sport to kind of be in bed with Saudi Arabia. Hell, the PGA Tour has sponsors that do business in Saudi Arabia. The European Tour has had events in Saudi Arabia. And so, like, this is not new in that sense. What's new about this is that this is a tour – that is 54 holes instead of 72. It's a team format uh, on top of an individual. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a high school golf tournament. I mean, I know the numbers aren't the same, but you got X amount of scores that count on a four-person right. team and yep. you have an individual champion. And guess what? Because it's Saudi Arabia, you make a shit ton of cash. And these guys are signing <laughs> yes. guaranteed contracts. Like Dustin yes. Johnson, I think, got $200 million. Bryson DeChambeau, classic DeChambeau. I saw a headline today. He came out and said, "Actually, I got more than 100." Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I was actually a little bit more than 100. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, so basically, what is happening here is this tour headed up by Greg Norman, who is not a great spokesperson to be. Maybe actually, in a way, he's the perfect spokesperson to be the rival of the yeah. tour, but not exactly like your clean-cut, um, beloved PGA Tour guy is heading this up. And they're poaching a lot of golf's talent and they're using basically a bottomless money pit to do so. Um, And that's what makes this unique is that golf doesn't, these guys are independent contractors. I'm sure people that are out there listening that have read about that have heard that term a bunch. There's some misconception out there as to what actually an independent contractor is, but golf, they don't sign contracts. They're just a member of the tour. And it's basically you collect winnings and sponsorship dollars. And this guaranteed money has changed the game because what was the stat on DJ when he signed the dotted line with the with the Saudi thing? He either surpassed or got like eighty five percent of the way to Tiger Woods's career on course earnings. Now Tiger's a billionaire, yes. but in terms right. of sheer on course earnings, to put that in perspective, once he signed his name, he basically earned what Tiger Woods has earned in his career without ever hitting a golf shot for this tour. Correct. Correct. And so that's where the that's what makes this all fascinating. So this this disruptive force, kind of backed by Saudi blood money. So, like the, the PJ Tour's main competitor, and they never really had one in a century of being live, is now turned into some sort of weird geopolitical issue. So, this is just a fascinating concept. I know it went all over the place, and I, but I wanted to add some color. It's the only
0: it. way to talk about it is it's all over the place.
1: Yeah. It's like every week I'll look at another headline and I'm like, well, what do I, what do I talk about now? Like, it, I, having, like, trying to wrap your head around it is fascinating. And so, this year it's what, seven or eight events, and it's eventually going to become mm-hmm. 14. And so it sounds like this year they're running a test series, of, not a test series, but kind of a demo, demo of events and trying to pick up guys. So you had a first wave. And I guess we'll start there because we, we hit it on a second ago. DJ was a big surprise in the first wave. But outside of that, there weren't a ton, right? It was the 40-year-olds, maybe some late 30s mm-hmm. back into their career. You can't play the Champions Tour, the Senior Tour until you're 50. Mm-hmm. It was guys that really are over the hill, the Sergios, the Lee Westwoods, um, Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter. Guys in their 40s, they actually to those guys' credit are still kind of relevant in the game of golf, more relevant than a lot of 40-year-olds. But on the back end, making a ton of money and playing less events. On the surface, that made sense. At, the, at that time, DJ changed it to some degree, but I thought he may have been a white whale. Did you think at that time that this was just going to become a feeder tour for the decade in between when you can play the senior tour? Because that's what I thought until the second wave.
0: Yeah, that's what everybody was telling you too. Another surprising one that wasn't – that probably not on – definitely not on the casual golfer's radar was Taylor Gooch, who he he recently – he turned 30, but he's just now kind of finding his footing. He was was just kind of finding his footing on tour. Um, A really good player that – I think he's actually from Louisiana originally, something like that. Um, But anyway, really good young player that, you know, had – he was, like, really making the turn to – you know, he was becoming that – one of those dudes on the tour, and he just bolted. Um, you know, he, he was actually asked about sports washing during his first press conference. He was like, man, to be honest with you, I'm not smart enough. I just hit a little, little white ball in a hole, you know, just avoiding that whole topic. But yeah, it was, uh, and then another surprise, maybe the biggest surprise was Phil not being in the first field after all the stuff with him, which he kind of had, to, he kind of had to sidestep it and really time it right. Um, which he, obviously they backed up to being struck from him for him too, which kind of the. I think golf fans that are around like our age are kind of over the Phil thing, but like, dude, that, that's the guy behind Tiger. Like you go to any golf tournament, you come to the golf tournament here in Memphis before he bolted and played on the PG tour. It's the biggest gallery by far. If you go to Augusta, it's Tiger Woods and it's Phil. It's not Rory. It's not Brooks. It's not DJ. Everybody loves Phil Nicholson. So um, yeah, when they, but he, like you said, that was kind of a feeder because he's definitely on the tail end of his career, but he also won a major, last year so that's kind of the the crazy one there but yeah once the the second wave is when it got real and like i kind of alluded to the third wave there's still some guys out there that like the ricky fowlers of the world why is he still playing on the pj tour he doesn't need to be on the pj tour he can't he hadn't competed in two years i know he's made a shit ton of money on from state farm and cobra and all this kind of stuff but he's a he's another name you got to watch to just kind of make the jump coast away in the in the sunset
1: and like the Phil thing was bizarre because it's like all these guys you're talking about, like the, the detractors are like, well, he doesn't need the money. Well, I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. I got into Shupnik's book. Like, does, do you sure he doesn't need the money? I get Phil's made a gajillion dollars, but 40 million in gambling losses is 40 million in gambling losses. I don't really care how rich you are.
0: It was 40 um, million in what? Like four years, right? Yeah, I mean, just so four years.
1: outrageous. It like made my skin crawl. And it's not even my Oh, body. yeah. Like, oh, God, I could I picture a guy that couldn't walk away from a blackjack table, but that's, oh. that's not really Phil's vibe but 40 million is 40 million and so that so you got caught mostly that in the first wave and then it was a mix of like asian tour guys Mm -hmm. euro tour guys which you like guys you might have heard of on the euro tour like 10 years ago but with what the european or whatever you want to call it now the dp world tour has become guys you've never really heard of and then younger guys um like gooch is not a good example because he had just won the rsm in in november but the uh, to put some Mississippi flavor on it, an Andy Ogletree from right outside Meridian, Mississippi, yeah. a kid that went to Georgia Tech. He won the U.S. Amateur. He was the low amateur at the 2020 Masters, maybe 2019. I can't remember. I think 2020 uh, in that fall Masters. And that was when I started to get fascinated by this because that's a kid that's had really terrible luck. I think he's had a shoulder injury and maybe an elbow issue as well. His career has really never taken off. Um, He got an exemption into the Jackson tournament the Sanderson Made the cut, took home a modest check, had gotten into a couple of exemptions over the course of the last couple of years when he's healthy, but he was one of those guys. I try to follow the Mississippi guys pretty closely, and there are a lot of weeks where I'm like, "What is this guy doing?" And like, I kind of right. people that knew what happened to him, and you know how it goes with golf injuries—like it's harder to find than you know going on like a professional team team report. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on, and then he f- finishes medalist at second stage of Corn Ferry Ter- Q-, Q School. But then kind of shit the bet in the third stage. And so he got guaranteed starts, but not full-fledged corn fairy status. And in a lot of ways, he kind of emblem like was kind of emblematic of the the problem with the pathway to the PGA tour now. And it was a guy that made me think, like, okay, if they start going after like the Davis Thompsons of the world, mm-hmm. Cup, where does this go from here? But then Ogletree shoots what eighty-two seventy-eight or yeah. something absurd. In the first, in in the first three days of the live thing, and now I don't. What do you know? What happened to him? He wasn't in the second event. Like I don't know what happened to him. I heard he yeah. got like six million and one hundred fifty thousand to start. Like, I, what's a guy like that? What does he do now? Is he kicked out? Like, what what do you think happened to him?
0: I don't know. I guess he just sits by his phone and waits for the email. But right. another guy that's kind of in that thing is James Pyatt, who won the yeah. He was the USA. He won the USAM last year. Yeah. Um. In some of those guys, I kind of not to get like. Into the Saudi politics side of it, like if you're okay, you're James Pot. You're you're a very good college player, but you're not. You're, I don't even think he was a top. I could be way off here. I don't think he was a top twenty-five, maybe not even a top fifty amateur in the world when he won the USAM. He got really hot one week, won the US Amateur. He realizes how freaking hard it is to get even on the Corn Ferry Tour, hell the Canadian Tour, and you're not making any money on the Canadian Tour unless you're finishing top 15, top 20 every week on the Corn Ferry Tour, you're not breaking anywhere close to even when you're going out there shooting 62, 64, 65, 65 to finish 14th. So he kind of realized, hey, um, I'm going to take this, let's call it 8 million bucks to go play a season at, at Live. And hey, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I got 8 million bucks in the bank. I'll be a country club golfer and live a pretty sweet life up in Northern Michigan where he's from. And now they just poached... The number two amateur in the world last week, the kid that plays for Oklahoma State, uh, I forget his name. I, I I'm, don't think he's American, but he played at Oklahoma State. So when they start poaching these guys, and like you know, they have the the PGA Tour U now. When they start throwing these guys blank checks, that realize, hey, yeah, I could maybe make it on the tour. Like Braden Thornberry is a great example. Yeah. Like like Braden does it. You know, I hope to God he gets his tour card, and I hope he wins on the PGA Tour. But or Grant Hirschman from Memphis, same kind of deal. Like, it's it's tough, man. And if they're throwing around these checks to where I can still go be a professional golfer, I don't have to play 40 times out of the year, um, and I get this blank check, man, It's it's got to be intriguing for some of those guys. Even the young guys that are, you know, the the young 20, 25, 26-year-olds.
1: So that's the piece of it that's a little more fascinating to me, because this stuff is exposed a lot about the problems with the PGA Tour and the circuits leading up to the PGA Tour. But it's also exposed, like, I mean, honest to God, kind of like the overarching greed of a lot of its top players. And, look, I'm never going to fault anyone for taking money and bettering their life. But, like, some of them, just watch the the press conferences, for Christ's sake. Like, they just sound like idiots half the time. Oh, it's comedy. But, like, let's hit the lower side of it, too, because I think the Ogletree part of it is fascinating. So, like, I, I mentioned him because I saw – the. I think the Monday Q guy said at the time mm-hmm. when Andy was in the field for the England tournament, so the first live tournament, he put it out there that these younger players, the amateurs, the rookies, whatever you want to call them, got, like, $6 million plus, like, 150 k per start. And so if this is an eight-season – in an eight-event season, even just their, like, demo season – Ogletree, like you said, is going to bank like eight million dollars, basically. And even if nothing ever works out for him, if he had his like arm ripped off, or like that seems a little extreme. If he was right. told he could never play golf again, he's got eight million in the bank. That's one hell of a head start in life. Hell, you're almost kind of set unless you're an idiot about it, right? Like, I mean, you can't, you don't ever not have to work, right. again, but you're you're set. Like I you kind of get what I'm getting at there. And so those are the guys I didn't fault. But the other part of that is, is they play golf for more than money. They sure. play golf because they like it. What's that kid going to do? Maybe it's too, sure, like, too premature to say now, but if this does flame out or it does end up flaming out, like where does he go next? Like does he just serve a suspension and try to regroup with a bunch of money? Like the upside seemed to outweigh the downside for these younger guys because as you hit on, this is kind of want I hammer home to like some of the more casual people listening, the path to the PGA Tour sucks now. There is no good way about it. Your your best shot, and this is probably, what, 0.05% of guys every year, is to go through Q school, get all the way through the third stage, you get on the Corn ferry Tour where you're playing in random cities, some big, some small, unless, like you said, unless you finish top 15, top 25 get their cards, yeah. Unless you finish top 15, you're not really making any money. Like, you kind of got to pay a caddy if you have a full time guy. You are use local guys. Travel's ridiculously expensive. You're not dirt broke if you're a top 15, 20 guy, but you're not crushing it by any means. And that's just to earn the right to get the minimal full time status on the PGA yeah. tour. Then to Where just- there's
0: no guaranteed money.
1: Yes, exactly. And even just to get to the Corn Ferry Tour, if you don't make it through the third stage of Q school, you're going to Canada where I've talked to, I talked to Buckley about this one time and Chad Ramey went through Canada too. Mm -hmm. Buckley got like sixth, which is one spot out of a full-time corn Ferry tour membership. It got him to third stage and guaranteed starts, whatever. But he was absolutely ecstatic that he went up to Canada and didn't lose money. I think he like pretty much broke even and was pumped. And so that, you know, we can get into as many details as possible or whatever, but the point being is if you want to be a PGA tour player now, you're broke for a minimum two years, and
0: that's the minimum best
1: case scenario. Like that's the best, the, the best of
0: the best. Yeah, and like seven years. Yeah, like you touched on the Canadian tour the last time. I my brother kind of did the the Canadian tour Q school route for a little while, and I think the winner on that tour the last, this was a couple of years ago lasted maybe takes home a thirty thousand dollar purse. Yep. before taxes and before travel. I mean, what are we doing? And, and like, you gotta go. You gotta go up there and shoot you can't shoot above 65 any day to even come close to winning that. that and you're not going time. home. You're in another country. No. And like they'll play, time. they'll play in Vancouver one week. And then the next, you know, four days later, you got to be in Montreal to play. And it's like, what are we doing? It, it's, it
1: just it's season, right? There's like, like it's yeah. all done in like two months. So it's, it's, yeah. And I think they've
0: moved it now because all the COVID stuff going on in Canada. I think they're doing, I don't keep up with that level that closely, but I think they're doing a lot of stuff in Florida now, but it's the same deal. Like, you're still only making thirty grand if you win, um, but yeah, it's just the the whole path. And then the PJ Tour came out a couple of weeks ago saying, "Okay, we're going to give out you know X more cards." But then the FedEx Cup playoffs, instead of being the top one twenty five, only the top one hundred keep their card, or whatever that number was. It's reduced, so you're actually cutting cards, and then you're making it harder on the corn ferry guys. You're making way harder on the college guys that have to go down to the route. And then they threw in, you know, three to four uh, guaranteed money starts for the top yeah. x amount on the FedEx Cup, which is all fine and good. But at the end of the day, that's all you're doing is copying Live Golf's whole entire thing here. That's all it. That's all it was. It's just like a WGC, but it's even a more limited field.
1: Yeah, and so like to add on to what you're talking about, so now the Corn Ferry Tour during this current setup you got the 25 cards and one twenty-five mm-hmm. are not equal. Like you're kind of fully exempt and you avoid the reshuffle if you're number one. But if you're like the 20 right. guy on there, you're getting into the minimum amount of events. Like that doesn't mean you can play every week on the PJ tour, right? Hell far from it. You're, you're hoping to get into a lot of tournaments. And when you do, you better play well. Um, you know, Buckley's had some struggles through the last couple of months, um, but the reason he was getting into stuff, like, like, Chad Ramey won on the PGA Tour this year and didn't get in the players. But Buckley did because Buckley had three top tens in the first four events he played, or five events. So, like, if you're a rookie, you need to take advantage of the fall series or whatever they – Oh, yeah. The season now. You have to play well out of the gate or you're kind of screwed. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just be making cuts in the – once you get to, like, January to March or June or whatever – um, you can't just be making cuts and expect to, like, get, gain traction and make that top 125. you got to play well.
0: And it stays like that. It stays like that for – it doesn't matter who you are. Like, Brent Sedeker is in that boat now. He's won yeah. a FedEx Cup. Like, this is a – he's won $10 million in one week before. And, I, obviously, he's on the tail end of his career. But, like, he's run into some struggles the past. Tommy Fleetwood, what, he technically lost his tour card last year. Like, that's a humongous name. And that just puts into – I think I looked it up the other day. He netted. Over five or six million bucks on the PJ Tour and still lost his card based on the FedEx Cup ranks. Which rankings. is
1: just, just that's absurd. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And like no. to go back to like the lower end of it, like one of my closest friends, Wilson Ferb, absolutely mm-hmm. sick amateur player. He had some injuries in college and you know struggled early on, but like that's a guy that's won a lot of big junior tournaments and he was an All American and he's one of those kids that gets an agent when he comes out of school. Fur didn't make it through all the way to Corn Ferry Tours Q School. So now he's up in Canada and he missed a couple cuts. And like, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the kid wins twice in the next two weeks. And I don't think he listens to this podcast, but just tell me to F off. But like, he's now three events into like a nine event series in Canada. And you're, he's already kind of screwed. He's not making any money. He's going to have to go back to Corn Ferry Tour Q School. And that was the top tier of amateur golfers in college. And, like, I think you know, there's plenty of other examples, but he's a perfect encapsulation of just how screwed up this system is to get to the PGA Tour. Braden Thornberry barely misses his card in the finals last year. That's an yep. individual NCAA champion. He's had a tough year on the Corn Ferry Tour, and if he doesn't sneak inside the top 75, he's going back to Corn Ferry Tour Q School. And so that's a top player. It's a Walker Cup team member. And it's, like, at a certain point, I get it. you got to play well when it matters. But I, I guess I'm just underscoring the point of, like, this is such a screwed-up system, and I think Liv has exposed that with some yep. of these younger guys. I mean, they exposed some other stuff with the older guys, but I'm curious to see how they continue to target some of the younger players. Because if you're 22 years old and you made it through second stage of Corn Ferry Tour of Q School, and some guy with Liv Golf was like, "Sign this nine, you make seven million dollars plus 150k per start, oh, and guaranteed payouts each week." What? Why are you? I mean, other than morals. And just sheer competitiveness, like the uh, what's the the cootie twins? Uh, at, yeah, um, I was about to bring
0: that up. Yep, yep. At,
1: at Texas, at, at, props to him. One of them went out on, when one on the corn fairy tour. Props to him. But outside of something like that, why are you not taking that? You know? What yeah,
0: I mean? he what he, uh, he was a he was yeah definitely top five amateur in college, and they offered him. He said it was life changing money. Him and his dad both said that. And then his brother's a very good player too. I don't know if they're twins or they might they might be twins. I thought he might be a year younger his brother it doesn't I matter. Get a yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh but Pearson the, the very good one said no and they were like, "Oh, we're going to sweeten this deal. Here's, you know, here's a million bucks for your brother to come join too." Which Kepco could have been, been doing the exact same thing. Obviously it's a bigger level, but they were like, "Oh, we'll bring your brother on too for X amount." And he still turned him down, which, you know, props to him. He's he's one of those Texas boys, the Jordan Speeth, the Scotty Shuffer kind of guy. I was which obviously say. we need that we, we're always going to still need those kind of guys, yeah, but, but it had to be pretty cool to just be like, Hey, me and, me and little bro are about to go net a uh, 15 million to go play eight golf tournaments.
1: Yeah. And to add on to your point, not to like stereotype, I mean, he's a Plano West guy. So he's from out right you know, And like, not to say, I don't know anything about their family or whatever, but I imagine he was decently well off just from guessing to where he went to high school sure. being living out in this area. I'm sure he's fine, but there's a lot of people I mean, like a small town Mississippi kid like Ogletree, and again, he could have been totally fine growing up. I'm mostly just stereotyping here, but like, a lot <laughs> of guys don't have that option. You know what I mean? Like a no, small yeah. I mean, hell, a Dustin Johnson growing up. Like, you know, when he was younger, like mm-hmm. he kind of have options like Bubba
0: that. Watson didn't he grew up on nothing.
1: Right. So I almost feel like the, the, the Cootie brothers thing is like a little bit of an outlier because I imagine like if you you know, if you gave that offer to twenty-five of the top college kids coming out how many of them have the ability and the financial security mm-hmm. they know? I don't know what that number is, but it, I don't think it's a majority. And so I'm curious from that standpoint of it because, you know, the the superstars got all the heat. And then, like, I feel like with, like, the Ogletree types when he joined Liv or whatever, it was kind of like, uh, oh, I get it, but I still don't like it. Like, I didn't even really know how to feel. I honestly felt bad for him because if I was in those shoes, there's no way I'm turning down that money. I just couldn't do it. If everything went wrong, I'd be a millionaire.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the way you have to look at it, right? Especially for those kind of guys, like the DJs. And those are the, those are the guys that are always going to be, DJs married, married to a girl with the last name Gretzky. I think he's going to be all right. Like I know he had to pay off that expensive Nashville wedding, but he's, he's one enough to do all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just, like I said, kind of at the start of this is it it just kind of is what it is. Like you just got to, these guys are making their own personal decisions and, some of the tour guys are clapping back at the live guys about, you know, they'll you know, they'll say at the start, you know, I I can can never fault a guy for getting rich or whatever, but then they'll, you know, bash like everything that they stand for. They're calling them hypocrites, which some of the guys are hypocrites. Like Brooks Kepka two months ago was saying, I'm a PGA tour guy, PGA tour guy, PGA tour guy. Then he, then he claims that they didn't even talk to the Saudis until after the U.S. Open where he made that huge fit. And it's like, hours. <laughs> come on, man. Like we're not, some of us are dumb, but we're not that dumb. Like, come on.
1: So the last thing, because I get bogged down in like the the minor league circuits of it, because it just I see guys that I like know go through it. And I'm like, this is just a crock of shit. Like that. This, yeah. this way, there should be some middle ground. But the 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 like most people listening probably want to get to the superstar side of it. Last thing on this though. Don't you think if the tour was smart, they would provide some sort of direct pathway to the PGA tour because like this ended 10 years ago, right? They changed Q school to where there's no, now in Q school, if you made it all the way through, no matter how old you were, if you paid the Q school fee and you made it through all the stages, you could get to the PGA tour Mm -hmm. as a rookie. You can't do that. Now don't you think all roads have to lead to some slim path to the PGA tour out of school as a younger professional, because if you don't do that to some degree, even if you're offering seven spots, I don't know what it looks like. I'm not mm-hmm. that far, but you're getting into what we're talking about. You're guaranteed to be poor for three years, and you're competing against an unlimited money pit. Doesn't there have to end with something like that?
0: Yeah, there has to be. Um, but that's the big question is what does that look like? Like, is it five guys or is it 15 guys? Like the PJ Tour you thing, every dude on that list, which I think one of the old Miss players, the, Uber. what's his name? Suber, yeah. He was a, what, top 10 guy on that list, top 15? Yeah for most of the year, like, it's when, which those guys aren't names now for, like, the general golf fan, but those are the next dudes. Like, That's where the name's of, those top, of those top 20 guys, like, a good handful of those guys are going to be, a, most likely a handful of those guys are going to be PGA Tour guys, like, full-time. You know, it might take them three years in Canada and two years on the Corn Fairy Tour, but they can turn around and they, they clearly have the game. Like, college golf at that level is freakish, like, absolutely insanity. But, um, yeah, there's going to have to be some kind of route. But I don't know what that route looks like. I don't think the PGA Tour knows what that route looks like yet. I think they're going to they're gonna have to come up with something. And it's like Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan, a couple of weeks ago saying that, you know, he's always taken the Saudi th- this live golf thing, very seriously. And he looked in the I camera like and said that. that. And it's like, man, you can't say that when you don't have a plan in place to keep these guys. Like, you just saw like, going back to the Oklahoma State kid, he's number two amateur in the world at the number one golf program of all time. And you just lost him because you don't have that guy. You don't guarantee that guy, anything, not anything, not even on the corn fairy tour. You don't have anything going on.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's a, a Eugenio Chicara or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. It's a great example. So like Davis Thompson, um, his sister actually went to Ole Miss was my age. Uh, We had some classes together. And so I started following his career decently closely just from like knowing her and like I had heard of him absolutely sick player at Georgia mm-hmm. unbelievable was the number one ranked amateur in the world. Like the anchor of a winning Walker cup team. He makes it all the way through. I think he actually got corn fairy tour status through that PJ tour U. but he sucked for the first two months in the corn fairy tour. And I was kind of monitoring. I was like, is this guy going to have to go back like to Q school? Is he going to make the top 75? Then he gets hot and had like a fourth and then he won. And then he secured his card this week. But, like, if that three-week stretch doesn't happen, and I know if ands, or buts, and, like, the cream always kind of rises to the top or whatever the saying is, but if that guy has an injury or that doesn't happen for him the first year and a guy like that has to go back to Q school, like, there's no way there shouldn't be a safety net for a guy that's that, yeah, that decorated of an amateur and college player. That's kind it's of It's the-
0: so – it's so pressurized, right? Which, at the end of the day, you got to – you have to play well under pressure. But, like, yes. to put the pressure just – I mean – you can argue it both ways, I guess, but it's so pressurized for those guys and it's so pressurized, and they can come out of that situation really well and not and still be broke. That's, that's what it comes back to. You can go win in Canada. You can go finish fourth on the Corn Ferry next week, but it's still, you're not, that's not like, oh man, I made it. Like my dreams come true. It's, I can coast for the next six months. That ain't it. Like there's no, there's none of that. Like if, if Brant Sedeker finishes fourth next week or whatever. Like on the PJ tour, fourth on the PJ tour nowadays, you can coast the rest of here if you want to. You're yep. probably gonna you know, you get a couple top tens finish, you're in the first stage of the playoffs easily. You made, I don't know, a couple million bucks right there, throw in some more, made cuts, and you're set. Like these these young guys that they want to be those guys that are doing that now. It's it's impossible to get there.
1: And it's like in tour, you got to PJ Tour, you or whatever they call it. In every other sport, what you do as an amateur matters. Like, the guys that yes. are awesome college football players, like, they're not guaranteed anything, but they get drafted higher and they make more money because they were awesome college players. Mm-hmm. Like, basketball, baseball, whatever the case may be, in golf, Braden Thornberry wins a national title and he came back for another year. But, like, name the, name the player each year before the PJ Tour youth thing, which is helpful, but not the greatest setup in the world. Once you turn pro, I mean, I'll never forget Fur told me one day, this was after he got into his first professional event was at Tory last year, because he had that crazy ass story where he qualified for the US Open with the caddy that he pulled out of the crowd. But like he <laughs> I was talking to him about it and he was like, The thing about it is when you turn to pro, no one gives a shit about you. Like I'm lucky no. as a top like amateur player and I have an agent handling stuff for me. But like you're a decorated college player and then you turn into a nobody other night like, overnight. Yep. That always stuck with me. And so They've got to fix that aspect of it. And then you have the part that's getting all the headlines, the superstars, the top 50 players in the world. Greg Norman had a little notes app tweet the other day about the world golf ranking and the official, the field ranking and all that shit of the the John Deere versus the Irish open versus the live thing. The battle may be won and lost in some ways with some of these younger guys, more so than people think. But in terms of like in the public spotlight, the battles being fought, via these top guys. And so now this second wave of guys, and it sounds like a third wave brewing brewing, but the second wave of guys was oh help me out with this. So it was what? The second wave
0: Chambeau, Pastor Creed, yeah. uh Abraham Answer.
1: Top twenty player in the world. Uh, Brooks
0: Kepka. Yeah, Abraham Answer, what he won in Memphis last year, the year before. Um yeah. just really good player. Young, young uh guy out of Mexico, like awesome. Um yeah just the more guys like that, like obviously Brooks Kepka is the staple, but like the more Abraham answers, and the more Matthew Wolf's you get.
1: That's a problem. That,
0: that, yeah, that's a very, that's, it's not as big a problem as the superstars for the PGA Tour. But if you, if you lose 10 to 15 Matthew Wolf's, yeah, that like uh, say Victor Hovlin wakes up tomorrow and says, oh, I'm going to enjoy live golf. Yeah, that's a big, big issue.
1: Fleetwood, too. And that his name has been tied to some stuff about a potential mm-hmm. third wave. You're right. Like, because, like, how many more superstars can go? Because that might actually be where this is being fought now. Because, look, you've had Rory come out and be totally against it. Spieth, Justin Thomas, uh, Morikawa doesn't want to play the Live Tour. He's come out in public. And, look, all these guys – I mean, the worst-case scenario, I guess all these guys – John
0: Rahm. John Rom probably won't do it.
1: Right. So, you've got your set core superstars, but your Tommy Fleetwoods, your Xander Shoffley's, the guys Got elite players in that next tier. If Liv gets 10, 15 more of those, look, the PJ Tour is never going to die. It's too big to die. But you're going to have a real problem. And I think what it works toward is you're going to have to legitimize this eventually. This whole mm-hmm. official world golf ranking points, talking point, and debate, like if you have 25 of the top 60 players in the world, you, you if you can't not give them – official world golf points at right. some but maybe you can just not do it and you sweat it out but like that to me is going to be the most fascinating part with the second and third wave but sticking on the second wave because I think it's a fascinating one that's when I thought okay this is not a feeder tour to the senior tour this mm-hmm. is not guys over the hill cashing ridiculous checks this is this is Brooks Kepka. and as unlikable as Patrick Reed and Deshambo are they were kind of the perfect characters for this right
0: oh because yeah absolutely
1: so that's that's what that's what's going to be fascinating too. Now, you, as public as everything is, is you have these guys that have kind of had public beats with either the tour or rules officials or other guys on tour or whatever the case may be. Those guys now have another option, and like the Shambo, whatever you think of the guy, he had like his gripes with the PJ Tour were kind of satisfied by the Live Tour. They're letting him bring his little film crew inside mm-hmm. the ropes. I'm sure he's being pampered to the nth degree. I can't remember if it was Rappaport or Dylan Deiter or one of those other guys had an incredible story when Reed and DeChambeau defected about how just big of a pain in the ass they were to tour officials on a win week out. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like berating volunteers and stuff. And so in like in a vacuum, those two were a sigh of relief was basically the premise of the article. But these problem children from the PGA tour that are also superstars now kind of have an option. Uh, Matthew Wolf was kind of on his pathway to that. I know most of his struggles yeah. were like, you know, some personal stuff as well, but mm-hmm. he wasn't like the tour's, you know, go, like poster child or anything. Um, no. If Grayson Murray were a top 12 player in the world, I mean, that, that guy would be on live, I think. Day one. Like
0: a, like another one, like Tyrell Hatton, like he's That's a villain. A great- I'm looking at a w- official, I'm looking at OWGR now, and he's, he's 28th in the world. Paul Casey just signed. He's 27th in the world. That's when they're on the tail end. But that's a that's a very well-known name, Paul Casey. He can still golf his ball. And so now that you have competition, like, I don't know what the tour –
1: like, some people argue the tour already pampered their top players too much. Like, people didn't love the strategy of getting the guaranteed cut events for the top 50 guys or whatever right. it was. But, like, don't you have to do that to some degree? Because now if you have a gripe with the PJ Tour, guess what? There's more money and less events to be played on the other side. That's a fascinating dynamic of this. Team. Yeah, you
0: you have to – that, that was kind of the move that they just made is they put in these new events for these guys that are the top guys, like the the Scotty Shuffler, the John Roms. And that's what people want to watch at the end of the day too. Like you got to think about this TV side, which the PJ tour just signed that new deal with ESPN. That's where all these big purses are going to be coming from where, you know, even in the women's game, which that has nothing to do with live, at least not yet. But um, with, with all that, like you have all this huge money coming in from TV. It's just like, uh, ESPN and the SEC—it's the same kind of concept here, where they're getting all this money, and all the all the schools are going to get more money because the TV deal. And now all the PJ Tour is, but now the whole challenge is, okay, well that TV deal's in, been intact for a year now. Were you going to do? Were you going to increase these purses if Live Golf didn't exist? That's the big question that we'll never get the answer to. Is you know Jay Monahan saying, oh, you know this was in the plan, but we've kind of sped it up. But did you speed it up because of Live, or did you speed it up because you looked at the bank account, you had a couple extra zeros, and you needed to? feed your guys here that they could have done all along but didn't exactly like
1: they kind of were able to cover their own tracks with that absolutely they like very moderately increased the uh corn fairy for mm-hmm. purchases but i uh, persist, but that wasn't because they were just feeling goodwill all of a sudden you had guys bitching about not being able to get full-time caddies and stuff and it's like yeah. I a living out here even before live and so like it's 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 kind of hypocritical in that sense and I don't know what to think about this live thing, but I am glad it's fixing some of Goff's issues. Like, I don't really care that Deshambeau doesn't like the PJ tour because they won't let him bring his docu series crew. Right. Patrick right. Reed has a problem with the afternoon morning tea times or whatever the hell it is Justine is tweeting about. Oh, with-
0: Justine, yeah. Or
1: his father in law. I don't care about that. I am more happy that they're fixing the lower level piece of it, but then they're also going to have to keep their superstars happy. And so. I mean, there's so many directions we could go with this, but like, where do you think this ends up? How many waves? I mean, you talking about the waves, how many guys do you think they get? Is well,
0: it has to? It has to end up. It, this has got to go to court at, sooner rather than later, right? Like, this has got to go to some. I don't know. The Supreme Court's gonna have to step in, like the NCAA rumors and stuff. Like, something's gonna have to give here because there's way too much money. There's way too many individuals involved, and it's one of a kind thing. Like Greg Norman, at the face of this, he tried to do this 25 years ago, and didn't get he didn't get enough guys on board, but now he has enough guys on board because the Saudis stepped in. He didn't have the funding back then. Now he's got literal blank oil money checks. So it's going to have to go to court, which that shoe's got to drop. I, I don't even, do they get through this full calendar year with their events? I don't know. And then shit's really going to hit the fan because two of their next, two of their next last six events are at Trump courses. Yep. So you know, it's going to be an absolute shit show when they go there. Um, just from a, Political standpoint and in the Saudi stuff. You'll get you'll that'll be a those will be two good weeks to be on Twitter for sure.
1: Oh yeah, and then look, oh, it's going to be good. At, I didn't know about the 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 Pumpkin Ridge story, but they had the one at yeah. Pumpkin Ridge. I didn't know about the hit and run with the. Saudi I didn't
0: either until I read about that. Yeah,
1: the girl and like my God, could you? I get they may have been struggling for courses, but my God, you only have like Oh, no, know this. Can you pick somewhere else? Like, what?
0: like I know
1: that's the funny part about this too. Is like, they're stepping over, like they're tripping over their own dick in a lot of ways. Like they didn't have a live scoreboard for their first event. Oh yeah. Days until people and I was going to
0: say like you, you, you touched on that Norman posted like that no tap thing. Like I'm on their media list. You can literally anybody listening to this can, you can go to their website and click <laughs> media. And you literally just put in their email and like, they send you stuff all the time. Um, and it's just like, this is like a Google Excel doc. Like, what are we doing? You're, you're handing out a hundred million dollars to these guys. You don't have a lot. Like you said, the first week they didn't have a scoreboard. It's
1: like, it's like some parts of it. You're like, Oh, this is really smarter than other parts. It's like, what are you doing? And so like on, on the, like the topic of like where this goes, this is not a normal competitor. And so if like, if you want to compare this to other sports, right? Like the USFL was the only viable competitor to the NFL mm-hmm. for a little while. And they kind of sort of ran out of money and they ran into some financial issues And that's usually what kills these things, right? Like you had uh, the Alliance of American Football or whatever that was. They ran out of funding. The guy that owns the Hurricanes bought him basically just to steal that gambling technology and then fold the league. Um, The XFL, I thought, had pretty decent funding. But then, of course, no one could have anticipated COVID, but didn't have enough through a global pandemic. Can't really fault them there. But the point being, like, funding is what kills this type of stuff. The ABA, as far back as you want to go, what makes this different this is a, not a typical competitor. Imagine if the NFL, the biggest product in American sports, had a competitor that had more money than them, 15, 20 times more money than them, and didn't immediately care about making money. Like That's right. what the PGA Tour is dealing with here. And if I'm sympathetic or empathetic to Monahan or any of these guys on the PGA Tour, That's a crappy place to be.
0: Mm -hmm. This
1: is not a competitor you can just run out of business because it's not a normal competitor. I don't believe that they can just not profit for forever and still be fine. It is a public investment fund. Like they want to replenish it, but they have way more time. And that's the part I don't think people don't understand is like, this is not your typical competitor. And the PGA tour isn't capable of squashing this bug until it grows too big to squash. So they're going to have to do something different. And I just don't know what that is. What do you think it is?
0: Right. It's almost kind of the two ways I kind of look at it is it's almost like a race is from a Saudi perspective is they're unlimited funds, but like you said, they're not going to sit here for a decade and just bleed, bleed, bleed. Kind of, it's almost a race to, okay, we have to turn the table here and make a little bit of money back, or they're going to wake up, which, you know, sports washing topic has been tossed around, which just a little sidetrack here. It's kind of unbelievable that all these people in the media have drawn the line in the sand with sports washing, oh, was and live to golf, when uh, what two of the last three Olympics have been in Russia and China. The, the world, world cup in a couple of months is in Qatar. I mean, what are we doing? Look at every single major soccer team in the world. They have all these Saudi funds. It's, it's all Newcastle is worth like $5 billion now because the Saudis were like, Oh, that looks like a good team. And they bought them. They're going to be a powerhouse the next couple of years out of nowhere. But, Yeah, it's going to be, and then the Saudis could wake up and say, okay, this isn't working. It's not getting us on this global stage we want to be. So we're going to, let's start a cricket league. Let's start pool or something, you know, or let's put all this money in F1 and have our own F1 circuit. Let's have 15 races in Saudi. So it's almost a race to that to be like, which, which one, which one is the, which shoe is going to fall first with these guys. And like you said, Monaghan, which he's kind of, he's been asked it straight up like, Hey, is this kind of an even fight? And he's not going to say, no, it's not an. you know, yeah, it's an even fight. He knows it's not, he knows he doesn't have it. At the end of the day, the PJ Tour is a quote unquote, big air quotes here, a nonprofit organization. Right. So it's going to be one of these, they, it's just going to be a battle. And like I said, it's going to go to the courts, which is kind of boring, but something could play out.
1: We will get back to Mark in just a second, but wanted to take a quick break to remind you the podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me, plus discounted meats. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks plus a $5 pack of sausage. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up with that special. And then go find your own favorites. It's prime grilling season, 4th of July just passed. Hopefully many of you listeners went by LB's and uh, had something delicious to throw on the grill. But all kinds of delicious cuts. I like the tri-tips. Filet burgers can never go wrong. Delicious sausages, bacon-wrapped filets. You need to go find your own favorites. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Best butcher shop in the world. All right, back to Mark Harris. Here we go. He had a great quote the other day. He's had some bad ones, but he had a great quote about like the PJ Tour can't compete with like a, a monarchy, with right? Endless cash. Like I mean, he just admitted it, and like I, I appreciated that piece of it. Do you think that's where this ends? Do you think the Saudis eventually lose interest in this and they pulled the plug on it? Because look, I think there's more. I think it's probably was always more viable than people wanted to let on. But I just I, I can't imagine they can keep paying top professional golfers nine figures and even if they discounted a little bit high eight figures just to show up i I don't know how you profit off of that maybe they have some grand plan i don't understand but like they can have the money to keep this going for forever but i just wonder if they lose interest because it's not a viable business model they're going to have to change something and so like, do you think that's where this ends up, where they just lose interest and this becomes like a really bizarre blip in history? What do you think happens in that sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the two biggest steps, as you kind of touched on it too, they've applied for a, official world golf ranking points, which for the casual person, that's the ultimate thing. Like, some, some mini tours down, like in Florida, or whatever, you're not getting official world golf ranking points. But at the end of the day, the Asian tour, which is not a very strong tour at all, like, plenty of guys can go over there and win they get official world golf ranking points. So at the end of the day, why wouldn't the Saudi funded live golf get official world golf ranking points, which gets you into the majors, which gets you into the Ryder cup, which gets you to all these big perks where if these, it's kind of like Wimbledon now for the tennis guys, like now they're not giving out points this week because Russian players are banned. Right. So this is that these, all these guys are banned now from official world golf ranking. So if they get that, it's going to be the biggest thing. And then we haven't talked about like, they don't have a TV deal. This shit is getting streamed on YouTube.
1: If they get like, a key deal, that could be a real oh
0: key. yeah. And but like, YouTube can be YouTube and Google can be a little fickle with stuff to where like I don't like the, you know oh this is okay for a couple of weeks, but we're not, we're not going to air your live golf on YouTube anymore. Then what do they do? They're going to stream it on Facebook or something? Like that's another big deal. Which I know they're not you know they might be technically making money off of a YouTube stream, but it ain't it's not eight hundred million dollars that they're spending on the top fifteen guys.
1: And then the, the other aspect of that is the other way. What if someone's like, Holy hell, like Dustin Johnson, yeah. 14 guaranteed vents a year? I get Brooks Kepka. How about let's throw some money out there? I think Yeah, that-
0: Bezos Bezos wakes up one day and says, Hey, I'm gonna start a I'm gonna start a sports network and the first thing's gonna be live golf. I mean, there you go. We're not having we're not having this conversation if it's if Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or somebody, some rich person woke up the other day and said, I'm gonna start this rival golf tour. It's all goes back to the Saudi backed you know, human rights stuff, which is deplorable, but that's, that's what it is at the, at the moment.
1: Yeah, and like the, I think where the PGA Tour has a little bit of an advantage is they brought, they have a deal with ESPN, they have a mm-hmm. deal with CBS, they have a deal with, they still have a deal with Turner, are we still doing TBS type stuff with the PGA or is that back at CBS?
0: I, who, who, who owns a, USA? I
1: think that's Turner.
0: Yeah, they've been doing some stuff on USA.
1: So your main providers, pretty much outside of Fox these days, they mm-hmm. have TV deals with and yep. how much they can flex that and kind of prevent them from diving into the Saudi waters there has to be some sort of an advantage. But how far does that go? If you start getting 30 to the top 60 players in the world, you only have to broadcast it for three days. It's a shorter broadcast window.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, at what point does it, some TV station like, I don't care, like PJ Tour, we'll lose it. Let's try this Saudi thing. Why not? yeah that's when this becomes a real real problem if you get this on mainstream television
0: oh yeah huge
1: and that's when you start recouping some of your investment The the ridiculous numbers for dustin johnson and phil mickelson and stuff like that and maybe that's that's got to be what they're banking on because outside of that i don't know how they make up their money or recoup their money and all of this or even turn a profit after a while because i mean hell the winner of these tournaments is getting four million bucks they're paying the what are they paying like the winning team, like 750 K a piece, or maybe they split. That yeah. yeah. something absurd. I mean, the what was the, the guy that won the first tournament, Charles Swartzo like mm-hmm. quintupled his earnings of the last like two years or something. Oh
0: yeah. He hadn't been relevant since he won the masters.
1: Yeah. And so like the, the winning a tournament on like a limited field, 48 person field like that has to be enticing too. Let's get to the media side of this. Cause this is the part that's fascinating to me. Yeah, This is kind of our field. It's, Some of it I found to be interesting. Some of it I found to be utterly nauseating. Um, It's interesting who has come out staunchly against it. It's a lot of media guys that were former PGA Tour players Mm -hmm. to some degree um, whose checks probably rely on the PGA Tour. And look, that's all golf media to some degree. But your golf channel guys, Randall Shambly. let's not beat around the bush here. He seems Damon to be coming at it from, let's, like, this is the way we've always done things. Someone's going to disrupt our yeah. beloved PJ Tour. And he's masking that in some moral high ground about Saudi human rights issues. And then you kind of have the guys that are in the middle. Like, I think Dan Rappaport's done a really good job. He went to yeah. the thing last week and wrote a couple really fascinating stories about, like, the vibe of it. And, like, the people that have accepted it have get, provided good coverage. But you've had a lot of media types just completely reject the notion of this being legitimate. And I get the human rights aspect of it, and I don't like mean to dismiss that, but at a certain point, this is real and this is happening. So you can clutch your pearls all you want, or you can actually provide some analysis. The coverage part of this and who's remained nonpartisan versus who's just swayed completely against it is absolutely fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating too when those guys are going to have to crack the other way like the brandall champlees like yeah. if Liv keeps taking off and he's like golf channel comes to him who's paying him a healthy sound like hey like we got a 10 minute segment on live today is he just going to walk off the studio like what are we doing like he, i mean he's been he's been but he's brandall like you said he works for golf channel he was a former uh, professional golfer um very well he's not he's very smart guy like i listen yeah. to Brandel all the time like but this stuff, he's, I mean, he's acting like we might as well light country clubs on fire around the country because golf is dead. Or a couple of weeks ago, he came out and he, I mean, he came out a couple of weeks ago and he questioned, he was talking about how uh, Bryson recently came out and said he found God and he questioned if Bryson was an actual Christian. Like, I mean, we're talking about a guy swinging a stick, hitting a ball here. I know he's getting paid by bad people, but let's not act like the PJ tour is the, the nicest thing or the NBA or all these sports. Like it goes back to the, these guys drawing a line in the sand of where, yeah, it, we'll shout about the Olympics every four years. But if we want to really get down to there, all this shit is corrupt in some form or fashion.
1: And it's just how blatant you want to be with it because you're yeah. right. Because there is a side of this too, like on the player side of it, it is absolutely positively ridiculous to watch these guys sit in these press conferences and get asked these questions about, hey, you know, they cut the Washington Post journalists up into pieces. Like, right. is that bad? And they're like, ah, oh, we're <laughs> offers. But it's like right. – And then trying to say they're growing the game on top of it and they want to play less events. It's comical to try to watch these guys walk around the fact that a bunch of bad people offered me a ton of money. Like, they just yeah. won't pay that.
0: And, oh, the, the Phil presser a couple weeks ago oh, was God. unbelievable. And then Alan Shipnuck gets thrown out and he texts Greg Norman and he's like, hey, one of your – goons yes. just tossed me and greg norman texts him back and says i don't know anything about that and there's literally a picture of them standing next to each other like it's just all that it's just it's a farce. it's like middle school shit like
1: <laughs> and you've got all these guys saying like i want to make like, i want to play less and spend more time with my family Like, Capka doesn't have a family right um, ian poulter is, is is sued or winter i don't know if he sued. patrick
0: reed like i don't even think patrick reed even has seen his family in 30 years talk
1: to his family and like yeah. 14 events and you're only required to play what 15 on tour a year something like that
0: yeah yeah There's
1: that weird quirk now where if you play three different ones you can drop it down a mm-hmm. little bit whatever it's basically the same amount of minimum events now those guys most of them are not going to keep their card if they only play 15 events so I right get to where they probably have to play a little more but guess what like live you're not picking your schedule like you, no. you go to of these 14 events all across the world and that's it so how like that excuse doesn't hold water. And then you have those guys like, like up going to court to play in the Scottish Open. So if you want to yeah. play and spend more time with your family, why are you going to court to try to get into the Scottish Open? Like none mm-hmm. of this all nonsense. None of this holds up. Taylor Goode saying he's not that smart. He just hits a golf ball around or yeah, Graham McDowell saying that like, we want to grow the game of golf throughout the world. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. And
0: I mean, that was, that was essentially what Rory said today, which I figured we would touch on. Like, yeah. He's it, been super. He's been, you know, way He's going to carry water for the PJ Tour until the day he dies. Like, and I respect it. Like he's a PJ Tour guy. He's one of the best vocal speaking athletes in professional sports. Like anytime the guy talks, it makes a lot of sense. But like today it was just like he said, you know, the Saudi's have been really great for the women's game and then he said, I have his quote here. It says I understand people's reservations with things, but at the same time if these people, which he's talking about the Saudis, are serious about investing billions of dollars into golf, I think ultimately that's a good thing, but it has to be done the right way. Okay, Rory, what, what do you mean the right – what are you, what are we talking about? And as we record this,
1: this happened earlier on Wednesday. This was a change of tune. I'm guessing yes. the Scottish Open. Yes. It was fascinating because he, along with Justin Thomas – Jordan Spieth hasn't really been that publicly outspoken, but kind of in that crew have mm-hmm. been very outspoken about the live tour and how like they don't feel it's legitimate. Billy Horschel had a dynamite quote,
0: yeah, earlier yeah, about
1: that, just eviscerating those guys. Rory's been the main one though, and then he wins the event in uh, Canada the first week of the live mm-hmm. thing in an all-time shootout, and then now he's all of a sudden changing his tune about like you like you just rehashed like, like if they're serious about putting money into the game. Like, it has to be done the right way. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, did someone come to him with a check? I don't think Rory's yes. ever joining the Live Tour. No. I'm no. just curious what changed. I wonder if he just got to the point where it's like, well, I mean, what am I going to do this for six months every time I have a press conference just of this right. week? Because maybe it was some of that.
0: I think, yeah. And that he was like that with Phil. Like, the, when, you know, Phil and Shipnut kind of broke that story about, you know, him calling him the scary mother effers and this yeah. kind of stuff and showing interest in Live Golf. I mean, Rory eviscerated the guy, calling him naive, selfish, uh, uh, you know, just a basically a crazy person. And now he's he's completely changed the tune on Phil. Like, you know, I respect Phil at the PJ Championship. He's like, oh man, I really wish Phil was here. Like, it's sad for the game of golf. And like like you said, I think it could be that where he's he's kind of sat back, and was like, okay, if I keep doing this, like, this is going to be the rest of my career. As long as Liv Golf is around, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to carry water for the tour. I don't want to be. Like it's, it's gotta be distracting for him. Like he's already the guy every time he tees it up on the tour, him and Scheffler and Spieth and JT, like, I gotta focus, which the crazy thing is he's been playing the best golf of the last five years. Like this has kind of lit a fire under him to where, and he's been awesome to watch. Like, you know, if if we could get a at the open next week of Rory versus a a live guy down the stretch would be all time, all time.
1: You know, he had that deal at the U.S. Open. I can't remember who it was, but he passed like non-Gooch or someone and just kind of cold-shouldered them after. Oh,
0: he- yeah. yeah. So, like,
1: it's been very icy, but the part that's scary to – or should be scary for the tour, the other piece of this, I just wonder if this is the case. I don't know if it's true. Do you think he realizes how many guys might go join this and it's actually a legitimate thing, so he needs uh, to
0: – Yeah, I don't, think he, I don't think he trusts anybody. Like, I think he's talked – I mean, obviously, those guys see each other in the locker room and stuff like that, and – I'm sure their agents do back and forth, and so they have connections everywhere. I mean, the, the PJ Tour is big, but it's not that big, especially when you're, you know, inside the ropes. All these guys know each other. They have they have their friend groups. I just don't think they can trust anybody. Like, I, like it goes back to a guy having a number. Like, if if the Saudis came at Brooks and said, here's 80 million, he goes, I need 100. And they kind of balked for a little while, and they gave him the 100. Then he was like, well, I guess I'm going to do this. Like, I, I think there's a trust factor where these guys – I. I Rory obviously has some insider info, but I don't think they just can't. I don't think they can trust anybody.
1: Well, that was his frustration at the start, is he was saying we have guys that said they were going to do one thing and ended up mm-hmm. doing the other, and maybe the second. And sounds like he may be potentially hearing what the third wave actually is, right? And softening his tune, which I think that's an ominous sign for the PGA Tour. Let's talk about the product because you talked about watching the first event. Um, I had a three hour flight to Newport Beach on Thursday afternoon, right as that get was getting geared up to at Pumpkin Ridge. So I just bought yeah. the white Wi-Fi and I was like, I'm gonna watch this. I gotta say, I like the product, like the TV product. There's I'm no, with you, but I guess maybe because they don't have a ton of them, but there's no like let's thank our sponsors, let's go back to the oh, there's TV. none of it. <laughs> it's golf shot after golf shot after golf shot. And I, I get it's probably to get it's easier to get away with on streaming. But the rapid-fire golf shots they show and the fact that everyone's finishing at the same time, look, I don't think you could ever do a major with a shotgun start. Sure, yeah. never be a regular thing on the PGA Tour. But it is a fascinating concept and a fascinating product. And I haven't gotten into it enough to follow the team part of yet to care.
0: But, yes, it was
1: kind of the cover of the game that we're like, hey, this team stuff's kind of interesting. Like, it's a good product, and it's kind of produced really well.
0: Yeah, I mean, all they did was – it's the first event – They kind of had the, they had the lot, which I like the live leaderboard. Like they basically taken a page out of F1 to be, they almost made it like a lap thing. Like every, every time somebody finishes a hole, it says, you know, 13 holes to play because everybody's playing at the same time at the shotgun start, which I think is really brilliant. But like as a guy that like, if I was like a beat, like if this was old school media and I was like a beat reporter and I had to cover live, like it'd be hell on earth because you can't catch your breath. Like you can't, there's a golf shot after golf shot. Like you don't have a commercial break. But as far as the, uh, like the layout of the broadcast, and they have what's this face from the Premier League calling it now, like he's got a cool voice, they're yeah. playing some pretty they're playing some pretty cool, they're playing some pretty cool uh, golf courses so far, Golf courses we don't see ever, which is cool at the end of the day. Half the PJ. Tour courses we see every year and, it, you know, which on one hand is cool, but on the other hand, it gets boring. Um, but yeah, I, I love like the live leaderboard thing. Um, the shotgun starts cool. Um, and obviously, like if you're watching a PGA tour event every single week, everybody, no laying up guys, everybody, you're bitching about commercials, then Live Golf doesn't have any commercials. And it's free to watch.
1: <laughs> yes. And they don't have, like, they do a better shot. They Even without the commercials, I'm sure that's a big part of it. But they just do a better job of, like, showing golf. Like, there's no oh, like, yeah. reaction. There's no – I mean, I hate it when they show dudes, like, looking for their ball. Like, to some degree, it's that sometimes interesting. There's, like, there's
0: no talking to the CEO of FedEx for 10 minutes like yes, that kind exactly. of deal. Yeah, like, I
1: don't need to see some asshole in a sweater vest talk about how right. much money they gave to charity. It's a great thing they gave to charity. Yes. But can we get back to the golf tournament, they show yes. shot after shot after shot. And I imagine it's a little bit easier to do in a 48-person field. Right, uh, But it it's a fascinating product with like good, real announcers. And so again, that kind of gets credence to the TV deal piece of it. Like they're a TV deal away from being mm-hmm. a real, real issue. And Very real. I feel like some of the backlash of it too is that people are frustrated it's gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. i read a lot of, uh, oh shit, what's that guy? Eamon Lynch.
0: Eamon was, Lynch, yeah. He's
1: a terrific writer, like a, mm-hmm. a brilliant writer in a lot of ways. But like, I mean it's very clear where that guy stands and like, he's just coming up with new angles to bash them now as they become more legitimate. And it makes it seem like they're trying to land body blows on an opponent that's kind of overwhelming them. And I think that's the part, that's part of it that to me makes me wonder where this is in three years because it now kind of seems like for the first time, the PJ tour is like, Oh my God, like what, what are we going to do about this? I mean, how many meetings have they had over the years? They've had like two in the last.
0: Oh, right right and like the it goes back to like greg norman like he's the perfect guy to be running this because he doesn't he doesn't give a damn No he's- him and the studies don't give a damn and like back to the, you made kind of that point about you know listening to a guy talk about how he gave money to charity but like after the portland like i'm on that media list and after both events they send out this press release like oh we just donated a million bucks to a local charity in portland like they're covering their tracks there too to be like you know oh look we did this kind of cool thing which it goes back the whole sports watch thing i mean a million bucks for these guys is a hundred dollar bill for us right so i mean it's it is you can look at it from both ways but in the, the day it's still a million bucks to this charity that that they probably didn't know about 48 hours before that but it's it's just it's bizarre man it's just like like we said at the very start of this it's a day-to-day thing where it's kind of fun waking up and kind of being in this business and you know what the hell happened overnight or what's going to happen today
1: yeah, the guys that have – even, like, the more pro or neutral guys that are, like, I'm just worried about what this means for the PGA Tour. It's like, one, well, mm-hmm. the PGA Tour is never going to die. And, like, two, this is no. fascinating stuff. Whether like It may not be a pleasant story to cover, but it is fascinating to wake up and see all of this. And the the live part of it, too, on, like, the charity and, like, the, the pumping themselves up is kind of hilarious because it's almost, like, Trumpian in a way. Like, when mm-hmm. they had that line last week about, like, many people were telling them the gift shop was sold out or the merch store. Oh, sold out. yeah. It's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And then they that, is,
0: that has been the weird thing about, like, the broadcast is, like, you can never, like, fully tell how many people are there. Like, they'll do, like, those yeah. very strategic camera angles of, like, the first tee, and then they'll, like, go to the driving range and it's blaring, like, a nightclub. And, like, it's it's just such this weird – I mean, th- the word exhibition gets tossed around. That's all it is at the end of the day. I mean, these guys are – they're playing for money. And, you know, I think, you know, down the stretch on Saturday for them is, yeah, they – they get a little tight because they're playing for millions and millions of dollars here, but it's just, it's, it's just odd. Like they, they have it figured out from that that standpoint to where they can, they can kind of cover their tracks and make it look like something.
1: And we talk about the, whether this is going to last or not, you, you brought up a good point. The competition piece of this, these guys are, excuse me, God, uh, playing for millions and millions of dollars, <laughs> but like, there's no cut. They've already been paid in this, Top end case, like eight, nine figures. Mm -hmm. They're playing for $4 bucks. They know if they finish dead last, they're bringing home a six-figure check. I mean, this may be too naive and too noble, but at a certain point, like there's no way it's ever going to be as competitive as the PGA Tour. And I just wonder after a while if some of those guys – and maybe they'll get it in the majors. Maybe the majors will continue to allow them to play – but like yep. the lack of competition, at the end of the day, these guys started playing golf because they like to beat the hell out of everyone. Golf's the yep. greatest individual sport of all time because it is all up to you. It's the hardest game on earth and you need to be better than the guy you're playing or the guys mm-hmm. you're playing against. There's not a whole lot of that with live golf. I mean, all the way down to the ridiculous Taylor Gooch comment about, it sounds like a Ryder Cup, like it's like 7,000. Oh God. And like, cool. it. But there's, yeah. no, there's no cut. As bad as we outlined the PGA Tour under circuit being, there's no playing for your livelihood. Like, that's the mm-hmm. real pressure. Playing in, oh, keep, yeah, keep is real pressure. Playing on the Corn Ferry Tour to try to get your card, real pressure. Trying to keep your card on the PGA Tour or win and get a two year exemption is real pressure. None of that exists with Liv. And I just wonder mm-hmm. how that factors into the long term landscape of it. Because at the end of the day, that's why these guys play. They play for money, don't get me wrong but they're kind of adrenaline junkies in some way. Like they, they thrive on being the best. And I just wonder if they'll ever get that with the live thing.
0: Right. And I think some of the guys, like the way DJ and Kepka like present themselves is they're obviously the happy go lucky. They don't care. Like maybe those guys and even Matthew Wolf to an extent, like he's gone through some stuff. Like maybe he doesn't have that drive anymore. Maybe he'll never have that drive again, but some of the guys Especially some of these young guys we don't even know the name of, or like these guys coming straight out of college, like, cool. I bought a cool house and a new car and my future kids are set. Like I can send my kids to college kind of deal. But like two years from now, if this folds, or hell, two days from now, nobody knows. Um, they're gonna wake up and be like, shit, now what do I do? Like I got I wanna compete. Like I've i still got twenty years of competition left in me. Um, but like the live guys, it's almost like if you're a live guy like a kep any of the any of the guys, like, okay, I'm gonna go out. And if I play really well Thursday and I'm in the hunt, okay, I'm going to care about Friday and Saturday. But if I shoot 79 Thursday, I'm coasting, baby. I'm getting drunk Thursday night. I'm going out to dinner, hanging out with the family. Like, I don't care. I got my check.
1: Yeah, I'm here. Like, this is – Oh, yeah. I'm in this
0: cool, cool country. All That's the other thing. They're paying all their expenses. They're paying for travel, hotel, all this stuff. They ain't doing it on the corn ferry. You're staying in a motel later. You're sleeping in your car.
1: And the cat—they're treating the caddies well. The tra- caddies get treated mm-hmm. terribly on the PJ Tour. There's never retirement. and remember, we get to eat where the players are. They pay their own way, like all expenses paid, nice hotels. That is one nice aspect of it. If you oh yeah, to some of these caddies that have endured a lot of stuff on the PGA Tour through the years, finally kind of getting paychecks and getting taken care of is cool. The Kepka. I've gone back and forth on him like four or five times. Like I liked him. I didn't, I thought he was boring at first and I was like, Oh, this guy's kind of cool with that. I don't give a shit stick. The yeah. condescending nature of the way he handled the live thing where he like scolded the reporter at book Brookline about casting a black cloud over the U S open all the way to joining the live tour the Tuesday after, and then claiming it. They never had any discussions until after the U S open. So you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, 36 hours. You joined the live tour. The condescension. And then the I don't care part of it, then also saying you only care about the majors and, like, you can't get up for tournaments that don't matter. It just none of it makes sense. Like, he's, like, trying to act like he's smarter than everyone else. But when actually – I don't actually think he's very smart. Like, right. I've gone pivot – full 180. I'm back to – I don't love Brooks Kepka, I think, is where yeah.
0: I'm right Yeah, I mean, yeah, when he went back-to-back PGA's and back-to-back U.S. Like, the dude was a – was, and I'm guessing he still can be. Like, he was a killer. Like, I mean, he was an absolute killer and he was fun to watch, but yeah, the condescending stuff, it's just taken a life of its own where I don't, it's like, he's gotten this persona where he just can't snap out of it. And if you're thinking about like the top guys that have gone, like obviously Phil, Phil had enough fans that he could lose some fans and still have fans. Right. Like DJ, DJ's an all timer. He's a hall of famer, whatever, but he's not like the most followed guy. But I think Brooks had like that like that culty following of fans to where like people like rode for him. Like Bryson doesn't really have that. He has more haters than the, he has some closet fans, but like Kepka kind of has some, cause he's, he's kind of like that dog mentality. Like he doesn't give a shit and he's just a killer on the golf course. And he won four majors in a row, basically or four majors in two years. Um, yeah. It's almost like he, if you look at those names, he might be the one that's kind of lost some of that, uh that spark from a, from a fan and just, like a like a like ability, but at the end of the day maybe he doesn't give a shit
1: it's just like this guy's an asshole like there's really yeah. nothing else to it like and he was still yeah. kind of standoffish when he got to the live tour and started getting questions mm-hmm. like the Saudi piece of it it's like dude to like at least show some sort of like i don't even know if contrition is the right word but at least acknowledge that it's not a stupid question that's the piece yeah, even
0: thought. fake fake it if you have to yeah. he has no ability to fake it he has no ability
1: Like, Pat Perez was the most likable one. He was Mm -hmm. like, I've been on the road for 20-something years. I didn't understand the childbirth analogy where he's in a playoff event already. I kind of get it, but not really. Like, uh, I don't know what private jet is costing the amount of money he was talking about for a night. I'm not big in the private jet world, but a simple – Right, me either. That's (laughs) not correct. But, like, at least he was like, I took a bunch of money. I'm 46. I've been on the road since 98. Like, I've been on the road longer since Matthew Wolf's alive. I appreciated that more than just the sack of crap that some of them were so I didn't even mind Westwood being like, they played darts there. They played, but it's snookers or whatever snooker. Yeah. But it's term for pool or whatever that is. Right. And F1. Like I, I kind of appreciate that more. It's just like, don't treat us like we're idiots and like, they kind of have to, to a degree, I guess like wrapping up here. What do you think the PGA tour caves at all? Do you think they eventually allow these guys or do you think they hold firm? Because, it seems like the more guys they lose, like, are they going to be able to afford to? Like, is, is are all these guys really not going to be the players in two years? Are all of these guys really yeah. not going to play, you know, the Arnold Palmer or.
0: Right. The, the marquee events. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, where, where, like, do you think they cave at all?
0: Because. I think, well, like, goes back to Rory today. He was like, these all the PGA tour, the DP world tour and live need to have like these peace talks. And I'm like, man, I, I know this is fresh, but it seems like it might be a little late for that. And I don't know what, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know what this court battle looks like, but I know the Saudis have a lot more money than the PGA tour, but I don't know what that gets played out to be. Um, the PGA tour is obviously already pivoting now, you know, doing this, these new events, handing out a couple more cards. Um, but I think they're just on, they're, they're going about it on the fly because that's all they can do. Um, they don't have that. Um, they don't have that blank check to where they can, and they can't change it to where they can't wake up tomorrow and say, okay, the top, 30 guys on, on the Canadian tour get their tour card or this nice. kind of thing, because it's going to water down the product. And they, first of all, most of the events, the regular PGA tour events have too many guys in it anyway to begin with. Most of them do. Yeah. Like they, a golf course is only so big to begin with. Like you can only do so much here. So, I, I mean, I don't, I, not to be boring, but I don't know what happens. Nobody knows. And that's kind oh, of the fun of it. Like, yeah. You
1: can't weed out the forty-year-old guy that's made it on for no. 20, twenty years either, because he's more of a draw than yep. you know, one of the cootie brothers. Because like we follow golf closer than a lot, like most people, they don't know who that is. I'd be fascinated to right. see Davis Thompson or Akshay Batia in a tour mm-hmm. to get their cards earlier, but like the, most other people, would rather see Paul Casey. And like I, I yeah. get that, it's not a it's not a like uh, you know right wrong type of thing, but that just shows the hell of the position they're they're in. <laughs> last last thing what <laughs> happens when one of these live guys wins a major
0: yeah that's <laughs> what it's going to come down to is uh obviously every major is run by different and the Ryder cup is run by different gov- there's four different governing bodies that run these things um and obviously the live guys have played the u.s open in the pga championship and they're getting to play the open which that could change down the line right. um if you were a betting man you would bet that augusta would you know flex their muscle um this upcoming April, and say, okay, you boys aren't welcome here, which is going to be very hard to do with how traditional and historical that place is when you have so many past champions there. that are live golfers. Like DJ won two years ago. You're going to shut him down at the door. Sergio, um, Louis or uh, Charles Schwartz, or Sergio, yeah, Sergio Garcia. Like you've got these guys that have already won there. Um, so, I mean, they could do their thing and that could set the precedent. But I think the precedent's already kind of been set with the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship doing it. The Ryder Cup's going to be really interesting because going back to, like, that competitive nature, those guys that still have that fire, that's, like, the one thing that they really get up for. And that's, in my opinion, if I'm a professional golfer, that's the most fun event on the entire, oh, in the wow. entire world. I mean, you're just battling for your country and you're hanging out with your guys and you're just hitting golf shots all day in front of 50,000 people at the most exclusive places in the world. Um, so that's going to be interesting too. But I mean, like Ian Poulter, he went to court and he got into the Scottish Open. Who's to say they can't go to court and get all these Ryder Cup stuff figured out and the President's Cup. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be, just like just go back to it, it's just going to be a day-to-day thing and see what the precedents are going to be set every, every week and every event almost. Be like, okay, you're not, you're not welcome here, but this next week, oh yeah, sure, come play. That kind of deal.
1: The Ryder Cup's fascinating because it's part of the reason we kicked their ass last year is they were all old, and we had a mm-hmm. bunch of guys that just really destroyed them. And, like, now you look at all the live – like, if you look at the live lineup, it's a lot more European Ryder Cupers than it oh, is American. Yeah. Like, a lot more. So, it's like, do you feel a team? Like, where you start getting Irish guys that we've never heard of? Like, it's, it's going to go back to the original, like, Walker Cup-style format where it's just Great Britain and Ireland, and they're just going to be pulling out yeah. of, like – Scotland or whatever it's it, it's fascinating at the end of the day though they are independent contractors and although that there seems to be among some media people like a fundamental misunderstanding of what that actually means i just don't see how at the end of the day in a in a court of law and again i'm not a lawyer i don't know much about how this would go down but just general common sense can they really stop them from playing a competitive tour as independent contractors just because of where the money comes from? I don't think you can. Is that? All I don't th- think you can either. I don't think you can. I think it's got to be. Like, they're they're gonna have. Maybe the courts make them gay. Maybe that's how this ends.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I mean, I think a lot of people have been kind of yelling that from. I think they thought that by now it would all already be kind of at least getting into the courts, but it keeps it just keeps on going. So it's just gonna be. Like I said, it's going to, a shoe's going to drop there and it's going to have to fall into court. And I don't, even, I don't even know where that, I don't even know where you begin. Like, what's, what, what's the fight here? Like, oh, let, let my guy play here. And you one, is one guy going to represent the 50 live golfers? And then you've got the PJ Tour lawyers. And that, like Justin Thomas has kind of made those comments because he, he's kind of alluded to that too. Like, this is going to go to court. Um, and if, you know, if Brooks Kep comes out and he sues the PJ Tour, well, Brooks Koepka's suing me. He's suing Tiger Woods. He's suing right. Rory McIlroy, which at the end of the day, he's absolutely correct. Like if the PGA Tour loses his ass, then Justin Thomas loses his ass. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know if, how, you know, publicized all that stuff will be. It'll, it, maybe it'll be like the Deshaun Watson thing where we don't even know a damn thing until something comes out. But um, it'll be uh, – it's definitely historic times in the game of golf.
1: It really is, man. I appreciate the time. This was fascinating stuff. I really enjoyed uh, chopping it up with, I hadn't talked about like the live thing (laughs) about it like a little bit. I was getting out of baseball mode. I was like, we got to talk some live. It's Mark Harris, new gig at OutKick. Congrats on the job. It is it is Mark Harris on Twitter. Give him a follow. I appreciate the time, man. We'll do this again sometime soon.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.
1: All right. That was Mark Harris. I really appreciate his time. He's a great guy. I really – he's a smart golf writer. Uh, you should go follow him at It's Mark Harris, uh, I-T-S. If you need to know how to spell Mark Harris, uh, I can't help you there. Um, you probably have bigger issues than opening up this podcast. But go check him out. He's new writer for Outkick. Was it Bro Bible for a bit? Really smart guy. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. If you made it to the end of the show, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, and we will be back, I think, on Monday next week. I'm making the drive with my car, obviously, to Oxford um, on Sunday. So the podcast schedule, like I mentioned at the top of the show, may be a little bit irregular for like a week or two. But it is, again, it's summer, and then we'll, uh, we'll get back going, anticipating and uh, as the lead-up into football season gets cranked up. A little bit of soccer corner with Weldon. We'll start getting Weldon back on the show again, and I'm looking forward to that. So uh, exciting times over here at the uh, Rippy Wrights podcast. I don't know why I said that. That made me sound like I'm some huge brand. I'm excited to get back home and move back to Oxford and kind of see what this new opportunity is. And I think it will lead to a lot more opportunities for better content uh, for the loyal subscribers and listeners out there. So, thank you very much for supporting this podcast. It's a big reason why um, I'm kind of doing what I'm doing currently. And I really, really, really appreciate you guys listening. So, we'll be back at it probably Monday or Tuesday of next week, kind of playing it by ear. And uh, y'all got, you have a safe and uh, happy weekend. And we will catch you next week.